We hear about it every day. We talk and think about it every day. But do we actually know what we mean when we talk about power? In this episode, we will find out. Hello and welcome back for another podcast episode of Acido Magazine. My name is Emil Schentürk, founder of Acido Magazine and host of this show. Today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite topics in all of political science and it is the concept of power. It is not only my one of my favorite topics uh, to talk about because it is so central and so yeah, omnipresent and kind of around everywhere but because we have pretty much definitional unclarity about the term everyone uses this term in you know, kind of different contexts and with different meaning but this too is not that bad in the end um, i think we have a little bit of a, dis a misunderstanding of what power can do uh, and how it affects our behavior or should or whether it should affect our behavior in the first place. So I think uh, this is not going to be the last episode um, or the last time I'm, I'm going to talk about this uh, topic because it is so complex and definitely nothing that we can yeah, just walk through in half an hour. But there are some, some, yeah, some structural points that I want to address when we talk about power. And the reason for that is... When recently browsing through the news and uh, yeah, basically looking at the sources, I found that, well, I mean, it's, it's very present in the media that uh, in Sudan we have renewed um, conflict between the two parties there. And yeah, because I'm inter uh, interested, obviously, I uh, dug deeper into it just to find out that it's not that deep, actually. So we do not have an ethnic or racial component to the conflict that is going on in Sudan. We do not have an ideology, um, yeah, an ideology war there or in, let's say, kind of an opinion-driven um, conflict that is going on in Sudan. We do not have, yeah, well, maybe to a certain extent, uh, financial component there i mean these are all things that might play a minor role but the main thing that has been going on there is that two men who basically ousted the government a couple of years ago together now turning against each other so they actually fought uh, side by side when they uh, overthrew the government a couple of years ago and now, kind of, the other one who actually was designated to be the deputy of um, the the leading um, person there in this in this coup wants to gain more power, and so the clashes erupt uh, erupted on Saturday between those two men, who yeah, became enemies over the last couple of months. You know, there have been ongoing tensions, so. It is a very different uh, situation than from what, what we know in other wars because some of them are more um, warranted than others. There are wars that have, you know, because of territorial claims or ethnic claims, 
um, we can have a certain degree of understanding. Well, in this conflict, it is just about it is just about power, being more powerful than the next man. It is sad, it is very sad, because in the end there's not much normative uh, flesh to this whole thing. And this led me to, to kind of reflect on the concept of power. And not that I'm doing this the first time. Um, as I said, it is one of the concepts that I put most uh, thought into. And nonetheless, I want to start with some basic definitions of power and how it is treated in political science. So there is this very simplistic view, and this is not really a political science view, but more of a general understanding of power. And it entails that you, power means if you have the ability or the capacity to make others do what you want them to do. And this is basically the most fundamental way of understanding power, which is fine. There's, it's not incorrect, um, so that's perfectly fine. But there's also an extension to it, and then it becomes, yeah, more into or we we kind of come closer to the direction of political science, saying that power is the ability or capacity to make others want. Um, what you want basically yeah or make them want what your interest basically is which makes it a bit complex because the component of of making something to do or someone to do something uh, is replaced by making them want to do certain things and these things yeah not coincide but represent the things that you want them to do and to put this, uh, and as you might uh, might have heard, you know, it's um, it is kind of confusing if you want to put the put it into this uh, words from a definitional perspective. So there are concepts that kind of divide power into um, yeah into different categories. So we have first of all the umbrella term of material uh, or physical or hard power. Yeah. So these are all uh, basically describing the same thing. And it means that there are factors that influence people or that you can use to influence people um, that make them do things because they fear the consequence of something. Meaning that, for example, if you have a gun and force somebody to do a certain action, whatever it might be, this person is most likely going to do it if it's yeah just um if the trade-off is not worth uh, of dying so there the threat of of the gun basically um is the tool to exercise power over somebody else in terms of nations obviously this is the military capacity that every country has so a stronger country can just threaten another country and say well if you do not this or that we are going to attack you happens all the time um, has happened before is going to happen again but this is not very sustainable because once the threat is over the country that was threatened is not going to continue this action because if they would be convinced that this is a good action or course of action um, to follow they would have done it in the first place and because they didn't 
it obviously is just dependent the actions are only dependent on the um, presence of the threat so once you stop investing into this hard power into this military capacity um, then obviously the power ends turning back to the individual example if you hold the cashier the gun um, to his face and say yeah give me all the money he's most likely going to do it and if you just walk in without a gun and say give me all the money he says uh, oh, i'm sorry i can't do that basically very simplistic account then the next one is financial power the threat of financial uh, means so um, there actually i don't have yeah i don't have like a good example from the individual level but we can think about nations right away so one country is not um, behaving the way another country wants it to behave they're saying okay we are going to sanction you meaning that we're not going to trade with you and we are going to convince others not to do the same so economic threat but you can also have economic incentives that's a good one because there you can also have an individual uh, example you can go go to a certain person and say well uh, i give you this amount of money please um, run around and shout a certain slogan or whatever you know make them to do uh, or get them to do a certain action by yeah the motivational factor of money if it's a ridiculous action you will need more money uh, to make them do this so power here is also kind of used in terms uh, of money and not only the financial threat but also in terms of uh, financial incentive but here too the problem is once the money yeah is uh, is not flowing yeah or is not threatening you or the person that you want to influence the person is not going to follow your path so basic problem as we have with the military or the physical or violent power in this case that it is not an intrinsic motivation to do something and then we turn to the uh, to the yeah a bit more complex definition of making somebody want to do something it is yeah the next umbrella term that is called soft power and soft power is convincing people that your motives are the right ones basically if you want to call it manipulation or propaganda you can because these terms are just euphemized versions of soft power or we can say that soft power might be might be a euphemized term of, of propaganda and manipulation but this is a whole different discussion you know i don't want to to um, go into the details of the terminology here but they basically describe all the same thing excursively public diplomacy is the best sounding word for manipulation and propaganda because public diplomacy means that you are applying those manipulative and soft power tactics to people outside of your country maybe a topic for another episode but this is the best sounding version of it so if we're just talking about the terminologies we got that out of the way as well but soft power means that you apply certain tactics in order to make others want what you want but not really saying that this is in your interest so people 
if you convince somebody to do something and say it's a good idea to do this and this and that if you convince somebody uh, to hold a certain view on another person and kind of frame it in a way that makes this person accept that the other person is not um, that uh, yeah, that the other person is not a good one um, has hasn't hasn't a good character for example and at some point when you convince your friend to hold those views um, yeah, against against another person, they will become convinced and carry on this, this thinking uh, by themselves. So if we again then apply it to, to nations or on the macro level, it is basically when, when countries, for example, come together and convince other countries to yeah, have a certain view on we can we can look at it for example the Gaddafi situation is very prominent uh, in this regard so Muammar al-Gaddafi as you might know was widely considered as a dictator and war criminal by western countries uh, European and uh, uh, North American countries but he was hailed as a hero by African countries so where is the truth the truth is something that we cannot assess in this uh, in this talk here but in terms of soft power we can see that all those actors that were in between those two general views were tried to be influenced by other countries and for example in Europe this was very prominent because uh, France had a very negative stance towards um, uh, Gaddafi and they were very proactive in uh, yeah kind of spreading the idea that he was a bad person and once they were able to kind of convince other European countries and also countries that lay outside of Europe they still hold this view today uh, till today so basically through manipulation or convincing them France achieved their own goal and legitimizing their um, yeah, the invasion of, of Libya um, more than 10 years ago, I think, by convincing others to accept this behavior. And this happens quite often, and especially the United States is, yeah, yeah, is there a, an actor that is proactively trying to, to bring other, other countries down by talking them down and convincing other countries to... Um, go against the enemies. Iran is another uh, prominent example of of this policy, and um, yeah, today it's Russia. But on the other side, those countries as well have campaigns against the West. Um, in all fairness, and their the convincing act of um, going against the West is yeah done also domestically, but also internationally with countries that they are yeah, allied with and so on and so forth. But without going into too much detail, there are two streams, hard power, soft power. The disadvantage of hard power is that at one point it kind of vanishes because once you do not hold, uh, uphold the military or like the violent or the discursive means or the financial means, to um, make others do certain actions they will stop doing it whereas the 
soft power version of convincing and kind of applying your interest or making others adopt your interests is much more sustainable because in the end they will carry on your agenda without knowing that you're carrying carry um, carrying on your agenda and at that point it becomes very dangerous so these are the two basic forms of power and in both cases now we would say well soft power is much better than hard power okay well but the big disadvantage is what if somebody is convincing some someone to do so, such a thing that is so detrimental to society and to politics that we have just a sustained state of detrimental behavior. For example, if you convince other countries to hate another country, this, will, this situation will go on forever because they will multiply it and also convince other countries and other actors to hate this certain country. So, and this might not be objectively true. It might not be that objectively true that we um, that Muammar al-Gaddafi was a bad person. It might not be true that the United States of America are um, yeah financial imperialists, and so on and so forth. So we hold those views and we convince others and influence them to do certain actions, but we don't know if they are objectively right or wrong, or whether we are just victims of a situation where others influenced, by, influenced us by soft power means. And if we want to apply this to the Sudan situation, we obviously see that there is no soft power actually in play, but there's just hard power, you know, just the violent means of making the others uh, bow down and um, kind of surrender. And this is a situation which is quite clear. So if they are in an open clash, violently, one side um, will ultimately win and the other one will lose. And then the question arises, what happens next? And at this point, we come to the most interesting part of this episode. Until now, it was just explanatory and kind of, you know, discussing the concept of power and what it entails and the mainstreams. But now we have reached the end of power. We have seen the forms of power and we have seen that in Sudan the basic goal is just to be more powerful than the next man. But what happens next? You can pause here and really truly and, and honestly think about what happens next when you successfully overpower somebody else. What happens next? I'm going to take you on a thought experiment, if you will. Let's say you're, you are the president of a powerful nation. And then you start to conquer more land. And you conquer more land. And you conquer more land. And even more land. At some point, the whole world belongs to you. You've been more powerful than any other person on this planet. More money, more military means, hard power. And they all believe that what you do is right. So soft power as well. So you have the, the soft power element yeah, over, over those people and each and every uh, person on this planet. The question is, what happens next?
you might go on other planets, conquer other planets, conquer whole solar systems, galaxies. And then what happens next? With each and every unit of power that you gain in an eternal power struggle, the next unit of power that you gained is going to have less value for you. It is something like owning money. The more money you have, the next unit of money, for example, the next lira you're going to earn is going to be less valuable than the lira that you earned before that. It is called the marginal um, diminishing returns. And the same holds also true for power. So the more power you have, the less important it is to you because yeah, it is, it is exhaustible. And this is what makes power weak. And unfortunately, nations are following this principle when yeah, kind of uh, designing state, state actions and policy making. And they're actually pursuing something that is weak. Because it is exhaustible, power becomes less valuable. And even worse, if we think of power in a whole different setting, namely, let's imagine you are the only person on, on this planet. What does power mean then? Do we still have power? If you're the only person living on this planet, do we have power then? Think about it. We do not have power. You can lift a certain weight from the ground. But you cannot assess this act without the presence of another person trying to do the same. Because if you lift up 100 kilos from the ground, you may be considered strong only if there's another person who can only lift 50 kilos. But you would be considered weak if there's another person who can lift 200 kilos. And this is very, very central when we think about political concepts. Try to put them into perspective whether they need some, some other actors or if they are dependent on certain conditions. That would make them weak. If that is the case, a concept has structural weakness. It's structurally not strong enough to lead your behavior and to inform your behavior. So if you, as the situation is in Sudan are only concerned with gaining power, then you're an extremely weak person. Your thinking, your mind and your soul are so weak because the only thing that you think about and that drives your behavior is power. And this concept in turn is tied to certain conditions that are so fundamentally important for its existence that you as a person are not valuable in that case, if your whole behavior is just designed to achieve power. So you need somebody else for power to be existent and then you pursue something that needs this condition in order to destroy the other person. Basically destroying the purpose and the ground of existence of power itself. And the more we think about that, in this term, that power needs at least another actor, at least another person in this whole constellation, shows how 
yeah, cheap of an of a goal power and the achievement of power is actually money is the same thing. Another topic, but money is the same thing. All these things that I just explained, I also explained in my book, Devlet. So if you want to have a deep dive into this topic and read it um, in, in detail, order a copy, links are below. But just to kind of uh, shortly summarize it, power is pursuing power is extremely cheap and it shows that your character is not strong because you're making yourself dependent on a concept that in itself makes the existence of other person of, of another person um, yeah kind of central to his, to his existence so if if power is dependent on that you are basically dependent on other people and dependency is never um, a a sign of a strong and, and good character. So, in this case of Sudan, we see that we have a have a big problem here. And then you would might uh, yeah, you would you would say and and might think that what in the end is then a warranted uh, intervention or a conflict. For example, things that are normative. We can think about love, friendship. We can also think about culture and heritage. Well, now you might think, well, these are also concepts that need other people, uh, other people's existence to be existent themselves, right? That's true. And this is also what makes those motives also kind of weak, but because they are not solely tied to um, a person or that they are not like, the situation in Sudan where one person just wants to have power for the sake of having power and the power is kind of shared and you know the intervention and the war and conflict is uh, for the purpose of the society it is a bit above that but in the end you're right because the, dependent, the dependency is there it is not that much of um, a warranted motive but there is one thing and now I just have to uh, pull out this book again because this is the main concept and central thinking of Devlet and Devletism, the state system that I, yeah, that I found and that I created with having these concepts in mind. What is something that does not need the existence of other concepts, people and actors um, to to survive and to just be there independently from everything else. What is it? Well, the answer is knowledge. Pursuing knowledge and coming closer to the full understanding of everything is the only thing that does not get more boring the more you know. We can even argue that it gets more interesting the more you know. But pursuing knowledge is inexhaustible. It will always it will always remain interesting. It will always remain yeah, worthy. It does not need people to exist because knowledge itself, the truth, the objective truth exists independently 
from our existence. So whether we are here or not, whether I'm talking on this podcast about the objective truth or not, whether you're listening to it or not, whether our ideas, wishes and uh, yeah, thoughts, whatever, exist or not, the objective truth will always remain the same. And everything that is done in the name of pursuing the objective truth, something that I call in Devletist terms, the process of genuine knowledge production, is worthy and is warranted. And this is the thing and the only thing that should motivate state behavior. Interestingly, engaging in a genuine knowledge production might entail the use of power or powerful tactics. It might uh, include at times um, the use of, of um, material power, hard power and soft power. It also embraces the ideas of peace and prosperity, material wealth. But these are just prerequisites of or making the, the environment for genuine knowledge production more suitable. But in the end, this is the only goal and the only worthy driver of state behavior, but also individual behavior. Think about your lives. Think about yourself. Think about what power has gotten you and where did people with a lot of power go from that point on what did they do what was the next thing that they did you know this is not a fulfilling matter and basing your behavior on the concept of power just for the sake of power and the feeling that it gives you the strength, you know, is, is not, it's, it's just not worth it. You know, in the end, it doesn't lead to anything else. It's just like playing a video game and then once you're through, what's next? You know, you waste the time. But with knowledge, this is never the case. You cannot reach the boundaries of knowledge and you cannot uh, never know enough and because that is the case, it is the only thing worth pursuing. Well, difficult to tell those people in Sudan right now and in many other areas of the world as well. It is, in fact, difficult in general to properly explain it and, and understand this whole concept and the direction that I'm going with and the idea of devletism. And this is why I always recommend you this book because these ideas are yeah all explained here and i do think that it has the power <laughs> no i'm just kidding but i think it has the potential um to to be quite useful also in your individual lives so highly recommended um yeah this is going to be the last uh recommending sentence uh, that i'm going to bother you with today thank you very much for listening i hope you enjoyed this this episode as i said there are so many thoughts there are so many details to all this that i'm going to definitely pick it up at some um, point 
again. But until then, again, thank you very much for listening. Have a good one and bye.